What do you love about being outside and active? I'm, I'm sure I've spent more time outdoors than in. That just feels like home. Enjoy what you can do because you never know what is around the corner. Just being outdoors in the fresh air, it just clears my mind. Fully immersed in nature is what brings me the most joy. Hello and welcome back to the Outside and Active podcast, where this week I'm joined by Jack Cornish to talk through a groundbreaking piece of research. Jack is head of paths at the Ramblers, leading their work to protect, expand and improve the UK's path network. He joined the Ramblers in 2017, having recently completed a 1,550 mile walk all the way across Britain from Land's End to John O'Groats. Jack is the author of a book called The Lost Paths, a personal journey and exploration of the deep history of English and Welsh paths and how this millennia-old network was created, has evolved and been transformed. An important part of Jack's focus at the Ramblers has been the flagship Don't Lose Your Way project, which identified over 49,000 miles of paths that could be lost forever because they are not legally recorded as public rights of way. As well as this, he has regularly appeared in the media, including the BBC, Country Living Magazine and The Guardian. And in this episode, we talk through a groundbreaking new piece of research available to read on the Outside and Active website, but you'll also get a hint of it in here. Thank you to our friends at Dry Robe for supporting this episode of the Outside and Active podcast. I'll chat a little bit more about them later in the conversation. But just before we jump into the episode, I want to ask you for a favor. If everyone who's listening to this forwards the episode on to someone who you think would enjoy it just as much as you, then we'll be able to grow this Outside and Active community massively. So that's just a one favor I ask for you before we get into this episode. Please enjoy this conversation with Jack. And I'll speak to you at the end. Hello and welcome back to the Outside and Active podcast, where today my guest is Jack Cornish. Jack, hello, how are you doing? Yeah, good. How are you? I'm great. I think I'm all right. I'm great. It feels weird that we're going to be talking about the outdoors when the outdoors is so warm and sunny in <laughs> southern England right now, which we've just been talking about, and we're sat indoors talking about the outdoors. It seems wrong, but I'm looking forward to it. It's inviting me just outside the window, but um, Maybe it's all afterwards. good. All good. Well, hopefully exactly. people are listening to this whilst they're out on their walks. And then hopefully it's still sunny when this comes out. Um, <laughs> really looking forward to talking about uh, all the things that we're going to be talking about. Um, but just before we do, I'm going to kick off with something that I do in every episode. And that's by offering you a piece of advice that someone has left uh, on a podcast previously. And they don't know who they're leaving it for. And your piece of advice comes from former professional climber, John Dunn. And his advice for you is... If you see something you would like to do or a dream you would like to fulfill, go and explore it. So the question that I've got for you off the back of that is either have you got something you would like to do or maybe you've had that dream already that you've already fulfilled. Tell me, tell me a bit more. That's a great, that's a great piece of advice. I think um, I have to say one of the things I've always dreamed of doing is a massive long walk across Europe. I want to go from sort of sea to sea somewhere across Europe um, Quite a few years, well, not quite, 2017, I did Land's End to John O'Groats on foot. So I'm sort of, what's the next big challenge on, on foot? And I think that's, uh, yeah, going across across the continent, I think, might be uh, might be the next thing to go, go and do and, and explore on foot. That is a common characteristic that everyone who does a big challenge then goes, oh, I didn't realise <laughs> I could one. do that. What's the next one? I'm going to see if I yeah. can make it even bigger and more extreme. Um, yeah, exactly. well, let's pick up on that straight away because I wanted to touch on that later in the conversation. But that walk, um, was it? which way around was it? Was it Land's End to John O'Groats? 
it was and yeah always go follow the weather follow the weather up good up, plan up the country and it's it's so, what yeah. 1550 miles what how did this challenge come about and what were the main challenges around it yeah I, well so so i think that like weirdly the normal route to land's end is land's end genre grace is shorter but i sort of realized that i could maybe go for like four four months something like that and so i i did a bit of a looping walk around the country and basically to places i wanted to go to and was intrigued by and you know read about and stuff like that so um yeah it was fantastic to just sort of every day to you know literally all, all you have to think about is well where am i going to stay like tomorrow night or whatever like which path do i take left or right um and that sort of you know i sort of the closest i've ever come to zen i think was uh was 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 doing that and it was yeah it came about because i've worked previously in in the in the health service and one of the many reorganizations i took some redundancy and i was like actually i want to i want to do something with this mm. and with the bit of time I've got. So, so just sort of, yeah, just sort of putting one foot in front of the other and, and going walking and, and, you know, not with a strict timetable or schedule in mind, but just sort of going, uh, going across the country seemed like a great thing to do. And it turned out to be a great thing. (laughs) I'm sure there were difficult times along, along the way, but actually a question that I also asked to everyone that might give us a bit more of an insight as to why you took on this type of challenge and why you want to take on bigger similar sort of similar challenge is what do you love about being outside and active i think i mean it's a really good question in a way in a way it's sort of something that maybe i don't reflect on enough really um you know my everyday life but i think for me it is really about exploration i love the you know i don't like drive i don't really cycle that much and so you know going out and walking it's about you know what's what's over that next hill what's sort of round the next corner and and what's on the next path and what is there to be seen and to be explored and so you know obviously i get the alongside that the sort of mental and physical well-being that comes with that but it is for me it is about that sort of exploration and you never know like what what is going to be around that next corner and so so that's that's what really what comes to me and and obviously for some people exploration is you know, trekking to the, the deepest interior of the Amazon jungle or climbing up, you know, I don't know, like the Alps or whatever. But but I, I, I think there's there's a lot to be discovered and explored just in the sort of more ordinary and that's not a bad thing, landscapes of, of, of the country really. So yeah, that's 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 I think where my motivation comes from. And there's so many great adventures on our doorstep as well in the UK or I, I imagine you can attest for. Yeah, definitely. Like, and and I think you know, obviously, like with COVID and stuff, we faced inwards for a bit. And and obviously, you know, it's great that we can now, you know, get out and explore further afield. But I think what people did find during that time is is what is on their doorstep. And you know, it's not even getting in a car and driving to the nearest national park or AOMB. But it's actually like, what is what is just on their doorstep to, to be explored? So, um, yeah, that's what sort of really sort of drives me just to, you know, to, to get out there all the time, really. So this 1500 mile walk was in 2017, which I believe is the same year that you joined Ramblers, um, which we're going to be talking more about. But tell me why mm. in the first place you wanted to or what the steps came about for you joining Ramblers? Sure. Yeah. So um, I think what I was sort of expecting, I suppose, on that 
on that walk was to you know find surprising things and see like beautiful landscapes and and that side of things but i think one thing i wasn't really expecting was almost to like fall in love with the sort of infrastructure itself with the paths um so uh, i remember sort of coming back on the sleeper in a slightly uncomfortable chair on the way back and thinking about what to do next and it was fantastic that you know a month or so later the opportunity came up to to join the members as a member of staff and to um and to set up a, a project that was about saving and reclaiming lost historical paths um so these are paths that have you know public rights away but they're sort of been lost to the map and maybe lost to public access entirely and and it was it was great to sort of join the ramblers um to you know to try and reclaim reclaim these paths and to create more places for people to walk and to reconnect with our sort of history on foot really so but yeah it was um yeah a perfect uh, timing opportunity i'm going to ask a really silly question but I, I imagine there might be someone else thinking that how do you lose a path how does a path get lost <laughs> in time and through maps no it's not a silly question at all um i mean like sort of thing i could talk for, for hours on but I'll, <laughs> I'll keep it try and keep it succinct but um you know we've we um the concept of public rights of way have existed for hundreds of years like people have needed to you know go to the field go to the pub go to the church market town or whatever um but we only started really recording them legally in the in the late 40s into the 50s and 60s and during that process loads of paths were just missed off and so these are paths that have been used by people at some point in the past maybe maybe you know the history can be traced back hundreds if not thousands of years but that in that process they were they were left off and they weren't legally recorded and so people some of them might be used today but some of them might not have been used for for decades and so you know they're sort of lost to public access really um and some of them you know might be really difficult to actually see on the ground now but some of them are really you know clear and obvious so but yeah it was um it's really about sort of reclaiming that history really and using history to make a better walking network and a better walking landscape um now you've explained a bit about what your role within ramblers is but just tell us a little bit more uh, holistically what ramblers is all about how it's set up and what it's aiming to do yeah so 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 even on the paths front it's sort of it's it's wider than reclaiming those lost paths we've got 140,000 miles of public rights of way in England and Wales which is like a fantastic network that's that's the recorded network that doesn't even include the the lost ones and we've got thousands of volunteers up and down the country who work to protect that network to make sure it's there for the public so that could be everything from you know lobbying their local council um opposing any like uh changes to that network that would you know really be detrimental um or um going out and improving the path so that could mean removing old styles that have no sort of historical intrinsic value that are just blockers to people mm. to more people using the path and replacing them with gates or even better just gaps and so people can use the paths freely so we've got yeah a fantastic network of volunteers doing that and then beyond that we've got um uh, again more volunteers that that lead thousands of walks a, a week um that could be sort of for for ramblers members but also we have a whole well-being walks program that's about getting people who are inactive or with sort of chronic long-term health conditions you know getting them out on 
shorter walks that build up and so you know really engaging people with the massive benefits that come from walking and and hopefully you know infusing with the love of, of walking as well um so yeah so we're sort of Britain's, you know, leading walking charity. And so, you know, it's about the infrastructure, but also the activities and the, um, and, and really infusing people, inspiring people to, to get out walking. Just going to jump in this conversation to chat a little bit about our friends at Dry Rope, who have been supporting the Outside and Active podcast for a very, very long time. Get changed and stay warm with the Dry Rope Advanced, the world's warmest and most versatile change rope. Designed to let you get changed anywhere, the weatherproof outer protects you from the elements, while the super warm lining helps you dry quickly. Perfect for all outdoor activities from elite sporting events to family camping adventures. And even better, it's made with 100% recycled fabrics. To check out the full range of dry robe products, visit dryrobe.com. I'm going to ask a devil's advocate question that yeah. if people didn't know anything about ramblers and what you do and... and Walking and hiking in that world might go, oh, well, that can't be exercise and I, I can't get that far. I, I have to go and cycle really far or run really far or go to the gym and work out really hard. Why is walking something that is going to keep me mentally and physically healthy? I think for me, the, there's a couple of things here. A, it is the, I suppose, cheapest form of exercise you could say you know it's it's you don't need fancy kit for it you know i in most weather conditions in the uk and you know if you're not as long as you're not going up you know like the highest peaks and fells you know you could do it in trainers and jeans that's how i do most of my walking um but also i think it's even more than that the great thing about walking is you can it can be 20 minutes 10 minutes or it can be eight hours and you know i do those sort of walks where you know after a call like this i might go for a walk around the block and my local park around the corner but also i might set out for a you know a, a 20 mile days walking either in in london or, or in the countryside and so i think it's the real flexibility that comes from that and and also people can build it into their their everyday lives relatively easily um you know which has a lot of sort of big utility helping but also it just that sort of refreshing that comes from it and so you know often i i'm going out to see friends i might go like 20 minutes early and go like have a wander around an area that i don't know so well so it's that sort of building it in and and it gives you that sort of real flexibility about you know you can do small things and big things and just depending on what you feel like or depending on how you feel that day um so yeah i think it's that sort of almost you know um it's the most universal forms of exercise I think we've got really. Um, that just lo- I think looping back to the reclaiming of of paths and, and walkways is um, the don't lose your way project. Is that related to is yeah. that is is that what, did I see the number early forty nine thousand miles? That- yeah, so that's that's our estimate of how many in England and Wales how many miles of paths have have been lost and wow. potentially can be saved now. Not all of those can be saved, you know. Uh, that was based upon essentially the paths that were there in 1900. Parts of the country, there's been significant changes. Although one of the big issues is that there's been significant, um, you know, development, new reservoirs, airports, new towns. Um, but in some of those places, they haven't; they, those lost paths haven't been replaced by you know additional walking infrastructure. So there's a real 
um, one of the issues that that we've got um, um, that uh, we're highlighting in the in the report that that we've released is is that there's a significant inequality in the number of paths that people have on their doorstep and the number of opportunities that people help to get out into into green space you know on on paths. Um, so yeah, so we you know it's it's. As I said, not all of those paths can be reclaimed, but many of them can. And so, you know, we we want thousands of more people to come and help us and, you know, your listeners and any member of the public to come and help reclaim their heritage and, and to leave a legacy. You know, when you reclaim a path, the chances are that that path will be there in hundreds of years' time. And there's not many things you can sort of say that about that, that you can help out with now that will be there for sort of generations and generations to come. And I think it's important to note that Ramblers is a charity. It relies on people supporting it. It's, it's there for the good of getting people active and save, saving these paths and creating opportunity as well. Totally. Like, um, you know, as you say, we're a charity. Um, we rely on, you know, support from from the public in terms of donations but also in terms of their time mm. um and from our members and volunteers to you know there's thousands thousands and thousands of individual actions that are happening across the country every week to you know just in the paths area to improve to expand the network to improve our paths to expand the network and those are you know by their very nature they're public rights of way they're for the public um and and you know, even above that, if the Ramblers wasn't here, some of the legislation we have that protects and guarantees and funds um, our, our our path network and our open access land and our ability to get out walking wouldn't be there. And so, you know, I think I, I'm really passionate about the role that the Ramblers play in that in that public good, really. You know, for everyone, because you know, it's it's not a sort of closed off thing just for a small sector sector of society. Walking is the most popular form of exercise we'd love to see even more people doing it but for people to get the full benefits of walking in nature um and walking in green space you need the infrastructure to be there and 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 you know that's really at the heart of what what the ramblers does for for the wider public there's some research that ramblers has just published that we're going to speak about very very soon but just before i do just touching in more about your own challenges um you've said about how you want to go walk across europe and the challenge that you've already done but is there a london challenge involved somewhere around here walking i'd be doing it to service if i was trying to say it but walking basically around london yeah yeah um it's just sort of one of those challenges that is potentially completely futile um (laughs) but like just the doing it is 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 worth it maybe um yeah i've been trying to for about 10 years now on a sort of slow quest to try and walk every street in London, um, which is, is you know, again, it's for me, it's that um, what I get from that is, you know, if people, maybe people can apply this to their own area, but, you know, I live in, I've lived and have grown up in southeast London. If I don't have friends or if I don't work in parts of northwest London, I might never ever go there. But this sort of sort of forces me in a good way to go and explore completely new areas and to walk, you know, the, the 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 new streets sort of for me anyway, or to even there might be places, you know, around the corner from you or from any of your listeners, whether they live in the city or or in the countryside, places they've never been before, because it's just not on the way to somewhere or it's not somewhere they've ever, you know, sort of wandered. And and what I get from, you know, trying to walk every street in London is is 
is yeah that that exploration of 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 those sort of hidden corners that are just just around the corner um so yeah as i said i might never finish it but i'm gonna keep on trying and, and keep on going exactly oh yeah it's very you know all the time it's, it's something i might you know go out for a whole days walking around a new part of london to me or i might you know as i said before i might go and meet my friends at the pub half an hour earlier but i'll go and sort of wander around the, the streets around you know nearby just to see what's see what's there really which shows adventures on your doorstep it doesn't matter necessarily what you might exactly. be in the middle of nowhere you might be in uh, in the middle exactly. of London, in the middle of one of the biggest cities in the world <laughs> exactly. but there's still places to be discovered yeah um well let's move through to this groundbreaking research um from ramblers which is really highlighting the well-being value of our past um and i want to pick out some key points over the rest of this podcast um but mm. first just wanted to ask you why this research was actually undertaken in the first place yeah so so at the ramblers we we you know we think we know why paths are important and 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 you know we try to to talk about the importance of, of paths but we really wanted to to understand who who our path network is serving where it is who's using it, who's not using it, which paths are being used, which aren't. And so we've undertaken this, like, we think it's the most detailed analysis of that path network, especially of that 140,000 miles of public rights of way in England and Wales that's that's ever been undertaken. Because we really wanted to to understand, um, as I said, where the paths are and, 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 and who's using them, but also... You know, we want to make the case for the network and to, for the value of the network. And so it's you know, it's fantastic to come on podcasts like this and, and talk about that that path network because it's it's often overlooked. You know, it's something that's just sort of there for some people or for a lot of people, but it's not there by accident. And um, you know, it's worth fighting for. So we just wanted to understand, you know, sort of where is that value and, and to be able to really clearly make the case for the path network. Yeah, and there's quite a few key headlines. Um, I mean, kicking off with the network's usage adds over 3,000 healthy years of life to the nation worth a well-being value of over £2 billion. Elaborate more on how this is calculated and what it actually means, you know, value, well-being value. Yeah, so it's, it's it's calculated on essentially, you know, there's quite a lot of established um, uh, social science and science around the, the well-being value of, for instance, visiting a green space, of going to like a local park. And we've used some of those um, techniques and those those sort of well-established techniques to, 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 to estimate, well, actually, you know, sometimes when we're talking about green space, we forget about the paths and <laughs> we forget about, um, you know, which are actually where people, most people, a lot of people go walking. It's not just about going to your, you know, walking to your local park or getting your car to your local country park or whatever. And so we've used those techniques to apply it to the to the public rights of way network to see that, as you said, there's a, a well-being value of, of two billion pounds. And that's, you know, can be, you know, often overlooked. And, you know, when we're talking about we want greater investment and greater care. Um, by central and local government given to the network and and it it has not just a historic importance and it has a real practical importance in terms of in terms of how much money you know that saves the nhs every year how much you know and putting more and creating more paths and protecting our paths more you know even even more enhance that that value to to the whole country yeah i mean that's i guess that's why it's at the top of this this um 
new story specifically. It's, it's clearly showing the value in the impact that it is having in a positive way. And if you look to then invest further in that, then you're just only mm. adding on top of that. Um, I mean, it was interesting we said earlier, when you said earlier about the outdoors and walking is a very easy way to get active, which it is. And we, I often think about it as being very accessible. And on this podcast, no matter who we talk to, um, we're always talking about the outdoors being accessible and fitness and health being accessible, but actually not necessarily. Um, is it accessible and is the opportunity always there? And that kind of, I was, I was reminded of that uh, in one of the findings that concluded that the old, wealthy, healthy and white have the greatest provision of paths, which I guess is just another example of the division and lack of opportunity. But why is this the case and how can we start taking steps towards reducing this division? Yeah, I mean, I mean, why is the case, I suppose, is is an interesting historical question to some extent. I mean, there's an element of this which is is about landscape, right? So, like, you know, like um, more affluent people are more likely to live in rural areas. But that doesn't the 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 correlation between um, wealth, for instance, and provision of paths doesn't just isn't just explained by that. And I think it is about you know decades of of underinvestment in in our path network. Um, and as I say, like for instance, when you know some of these um, when our some of our towns and cities were built or expanded, there wasn't the you know paths were lost and 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 the ability to access green space was lost, but they weren't replaced by any by anything you know by any sort of equivalent walking infrastructure sort of thing. So you know we do see that there is like a clear disparity in in who has provision of of public rights away and provision of paths, and it's something that. You know, it's 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 not like there's a one size fits all solution to that. There are definitely communities that should have. You know, there there are there that that are that have on their doorstep the potential to have hundreds of miles of more public paths. You know, you you can just look at an ordnance survey map and you look at some communities like um, I was looking the other day at um, North East Lincolnshire, so that's sort of Grimsby, Cleethorpes. It's you know, you've got towns along the coast there, countryside right next to it, but just there's, there isn't the connection between the towns and the countryside in the way that there should be. And and so, you know, we should really be um, looking at really trying to level up in the sort of column parlance um, with that sort of um, provision of, of paths. And, you know, because we know that, as, as we've seen, the, the health and well-being value that comes from greater provision of paths is is significant and so so yeah so so it's 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 an interesting question about why we've got to where we are um but it's certainly you know it's certainly our research shows that that we need to we need to be having much more focus on ensuring that people have that provision on their doorstep um because you know it makes a it makes a massive difference to people's everyday lives i think categorizing the the age as well the the old is is have the greatest provision to pass is that again down to what you've just been speaking about is it also maybe uh, a demographic thing of younger people are less inclined to go on walks i might be clutching at straws there but what's your opinion on that well no i mean i think it, it isn't about that because this is about you know where are the paths in relation to people yeah. so so again some of that's just some of that is um explained by you know younger people more likely to live in the 
in city centres, for instance. Now, you can't create hundreds of miles of new public rights of way in green fields and city centres. But what we can do, for instance, is create green routes through cities. So, for instance, in 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 London, um, you know, because of lobbying by the lap by by the Ramblers and and years of work by the Ramblers, the the London mayors for the first time got a a, a, a leisure walking strategy, and there's some real flagship green, you know, trails in London, and we want to see those expanded, and and as does this strategy, and so. You know, it's not about a one size fits all, but it's about, you know, where I am in South East London, I've got the ability to, to go and walk outside on a path that on a nice long green path that's along um, a river that runs through, you know, my neighbourhood. And those are there are opportunities to open up those sort of spaces. So people, you know, wherever they are, whatever age, whatever ethnicity, whatever their income level is, um, you know, have the ability to to be able to 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 get out on, on on a path network and to get a variety of experiences as well because i think that's the other thing that's fantastic about the network that we have in britain that maybe some countries don't have some countries have got amazing long distance paths you know national trails which we have as well but but what we have is that hyper local network so we've got a network of paths that you know, in theory, should sort of spider into every community across the country. And in a lot of places it does, um, but it, not in all places. And I think that's the, the great thing you get from that hyper-local network is actually one day I want to go for another, I want to walk 10 minutes further, or I want to go down by the river, or I want to go up the hill. And we have those sort of ability to have those experiences because of how extensive that network is, even though, it isn't as extensive in all places that it should be. Yeah, I completely agree with you on the front of um, having more green space in London. I think some of, I can't speak for the other cities in the UK, but I imagine it's, it's similar. But I think London's a beautiful city, but the some of the paths and green spaces um, that I've visited are some of the most beautiful in the city mm. and some of the places you can just go and you almost don't feel like you are in the centre of London. So I... I completely agree with that, but also understand that the difficulties if you can't just create a load of new <laughs> paths out of you know out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, but but what you can do, for instance, is you, you can create paths and 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 routes that link up those green spaces, and in the bits between the green spaces, you can you know introduce traffic calming. You can plant trees. You can plant um you know, uh, different like planting schemes and things like that to to create that as a pleasant, you know, place mm. to go walking. Because, you know, we know that that if you create those those sort of pleasant environments, people will want to come to them and people will want to, to use them either as part of their sort of everyday, what we call active travel, or as, you know, just to somewhere to go for a nice walk. And the point of health and wellbeing value is, again, emphasised, um, later on in the in the findings, where health is worth, amount of paths is lowest, and uh, there's a yeah. clear correlation um, with that. But can you expand a little bit more about what that actually means? Yeah, definitely. So, so you know, we looked at, and again, I think this is where the real sort of extensive nature of the report comes in, and why why we're so excited about it. But we, you know, the Ramblers, we looked at um, working with the New Economics Foundation on this. Uh, where paths are in loads of loads of different demographic things. So that's as as we've sort of talked about, like ethnicity, age, 
um, income, car ownership, dog ownership, loads of different things. But also we looked at um, uh, heart attack prevalence and we looked at mental health um, uh, scores as well. And we find, so for instance, um, looking at heart attack prevalence, where health is the worst, the number of paths are the lowest. And so, you know, that's a really stark finding that, um, that, that sort of, that again, underlines the importance of that sort of ordinary infrastructure that's actually pretty extraordinary in terms of what it gives to the, the country in terms of just looking at that in terms of health. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it goes on to, <laughs> um, to talk about the research su- suggests that doubling the average length of paths in a neighbourhood would result in additional annual 78.5 million walks. And I found this quite interesting because, oh, great, yeah, it sounds easy. Let's just create more paths. And again, we just kind of touched on this a few minutes ago, but what what are the challenges? You've, you've provided some of the ideas around how you can actually achieve this, but what are the realistic challenges and maybe logistical challenges that you're facing in trying to achieve this? Yeah, I mean, it's it's... There isn't, as as I said, there isn't like a one size fits all solution to this. And I think coming back to what we were talking about at the beginning, historic paths, we found forty nine thousand miles of them. Even if we saved a quarter of those, especially if we were focusing on the areas that have the least provision and the most barriers to access, um, that would make a massive difference to to the path network in those areas. Um, some of this is also, even where there are paths, there. Um, some of them might be blocked. They're under threat. Um, you know, there's they're, they're sort of sometimes left to sort of decline into disrepair. And it, and and you know, we've got, for instance, about 150 teams across the country that go out and repair paths and improve them. And so, you know, we want to see more. Um, uh, you know, we want to see more protection of the infrastructure we have, and and to prevent loss um, due to like poor poor planning, for instance. Um, and then we, we we think we really need to see a targeted approach to um, investment and into effort because you know you know on those communities that have the, that least access that have that don't have those paths in their doorstep and if we can target those efforts it will make a massive you know a massive difference to to people across the country. I mean, for instance, I mean when we're talking about letting things go into into disrepair. The, one of the other things we we found is that um, that we're building out walking infrastructure. So where we're building new housing developments, for instance, um, some of the our most modern housing developments, you know, um, have some of the least infrastructure, and and it's because we're not taking effort to to make sure that walking infrastructure, and also this applies, you know, as, as much to cycling and horse riding and people going out running as well um it's not built into those plans um well enough so you know we really need to make sure that that we have a sort of landscape designed for walking all landscapes are designed for walking and especially you know we need to build more houses and they, they need to be in different places across the country but we need to also make sure at the same time that people who live in those houses have the ability to get out onto the path network to get out into natural and green spaces and so so there's loads of different you know actions that that we think local government central government need to take to really you know reverse this decline but also to celebrate the path network you know as i said we've got a fantastic path network but that needs to be fantastic for everyone 
Yeah, the research sounds in- incredible and it's brought to light so many different important factors and it's really showing the value of the work that you are doing. And I think I was going to ask you about, you know, what's the ultimate aim of it? Because it's all well and good bringing all of these ideas to the forefront, but actually unless you have a sort of call to action plan on the back of it, what is it? I mean, there's the, the one that's quite clearly stated that the government needs to invest an additional £650 million pounds annually to expand the paths but what else are you hoping that this report and research will look to achieve and kind of bounce those next steps yeah i mean i think i think crucial to this is you know and and this is why this is not just a report that we've you know put in an envelope and sent to central government or whatever <laughs> why we want to you know talk to the public about this as well because i think crucial to this is is people valuing that network and people getting involved with protecting it in so many different ways. So that could be, you know, supporting the work of the Ramblers through a donation or volunteering with us to legally record historic paths or to get out on one of our teams to go and, you know, um, make it more, make paths more accessible. But it could also be, you know, we want people to be raising these issues, you know, with politicians and, and with like, you know, councils to make sure that, that they know that people value that path network and that that you know that 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 they should be you know it's not just about money it's not just investment of money but it's investment of time and care into that network and making sure that it is one of the priorities because you know often these things can get overlooked in you know so much that could be a priority but i think the report demonstrates you know the the well-being and the the monetary value that comes back from from taking that time to to invest time and money in in our paths so you know i'm really hoping that people are inspired to to stand up for their paths um and also to get out and walk them because this is some of the things that come you know some of some of the paths where they get blocked for instance they get blocked because people aren't using them and we know that people do use our path network but not all of them and so you know hopefully you know people listening to this and will will feel inspired to to really stand up for that network and to to, to, to make a case for it in, in every sort of forum that, that comes to them. Yeah, because it's twofold, isn't it? You want to provide the network and the structure there uh, for the past, but you also then want people want people to use them and encouraging people to use them and exactly. I guess showing the awareness of them as well so that they are uh, being used. Yeah. Um, and you said, like you said, it's a, it is a big figure and I know it's not just about money, but you referred to earlier in the podcast about actually the the domino effect that investing in it will have on health and well-being so you where okay you invest on this side you're actually not going to see maybe the impact that you're having to spend on other services because of the the health and well-being impacts which i think is massively important to know and i think you know it's it's always difficult sort of trading off one thing against the other but you know we (laughs) we seem to be able to find money for like billion pound stretch of bypass you know and but actually, if you just took, um, I think the research goes, you know, we're not talking a billion pounds here. We are talking, you know, a significant amount of money. But if that money was invested in our path network, you know, as exactly as you said, the domino effect of that, the people being able to get out into nature, to connect to their landscape, um, you know, also, with, you know, we want people to, like, use their cars less, right? And so, you know, like, the, the, how that contributes to us meeting, you know, net zero, I think is important as well, because, you know, quite a lot of paths or potentially where we could have paths 
would enable some people and it's not just about cities but enable someone to you know if they live in one village and their kids primary school is the next village but actually the only way currently is to drive between those for five minutes but if there was a safe off-road pleasant enjoyable route at least a good chunk of the year you know them and their kids could use that and that would you know again it would get people out of their cars it would it would be you know make a massive difference to their personal health and well-being but also you know to some of these wider societal issues that we face but it's clear to see the passion that you you have for it and, <laughs> and i think it's really really important and i was really excited to be able to help promote this research um and i found it really interesting that you used used the the phrase i think stand up for our past but if i'm listening to this how can i support where can i go to find out more how can i be part of this next step that we're looking to take yeah so if you go to just the ramblers website and you go to ramblers.org.uk forward slash paths you'll find like loads more information from the report there you can read them i mean there's pretty there's two reports and it's almost 100 pages but there's loads of sort of summaries there as well and you know we would love to for people to go there explore it share um, the findings of this report and, and also, you know, the donate, but also to get involved with the work of the Ramblers because we rely on, you know, the work of thousands of people across the country, um, you, you know, to 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 do the vital work that I think we do. And so but we're always looking for more people to get out and involved and, and to, um, you know, support, support the work in their local area. Well, one piece of advice is get out there and find your local paths, explore more paths. <laughs> But I also need one more piece of advice from you um, that I will be able to pass on to a guest coming onto the podcast in the near future. I have to say, you've actually stolen my thunder slightly because that was going to be my piece of advice. (laughs) uh, Yeah, but you'll say it better than me. (laughs) Well, maybe, yeah. I mean, yeah. So I think my advice would be, I don't know how pithy I can be, but it's, it's sort of coming back to what we were talking about at the beginning. It's, you know, look at a map of your local area. Look at, could be if you're in a city, go to Google, go to Bing, you can get the Ordnance Survey maps for free on there, and just be like, oh, I've never been down that path, I've never been down that road or that lane or that street, and and just pledge to go and have a look and see what's there and, and really explore explore what's in your area, because there's always, you never know what's going to be around the corner. Well, I will be pledging to do that, and I will be looking forward <laughs> to passing that on to uh, the next guest that will be coming on. Like you said, the full report will be available on the link that you mentioned. We will also have on outsideinactive.com the the summary and some of the key points that we've been speaking about. But Jack, thank you so much. I look forward to passing that advice along and we'll speak to you very soon. Thanks very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Outside and Active podcast and you can review the full document on the Outside and Active website and also the Ramblers website as well. Thank you to Jack for coming on and talking a little bit more about this groundbreaking piece of research and also what he does at the Ramblers. It's really important to get outside. We're all about advocating that at Outside and Active so it's great to have a guest on that feels very similarly. As I said at the beginning, if everyone who's listening forwards this podcast on with someone who they think would enjoy it just as much as them, then we'll be able to grow this community massively. I thank you for your support so far and hope that you continue to stay with us as we speak to a whole host of interesting and inspiring guests going forward, like we will have next week. But until that time, enjoy the outdoors.